Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Marcia Quattlebaum, and I serve as deacon and uh, back to basics tutor in our congregation. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. O oh, gracious and holy God, give us diligence to seek you, wisdom to perceive you, and patience to wait for you. Grant us, O oh God, a mind to meditate on you, eyes to behold you, ears to listen for your word, a heart to love you, and a life to proclaim you through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his voice, and our voices be raised to praise the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? <clears throat> Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you, and nations shall come to the brightness of your rising, and kings to your light. Let us worship God. Our God is merciful, healing, and forgiving, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins. Let us pray our confession together. Merciful God, in your gracious presence, we confess our sin and the sin of this world. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination and freedom, of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us, heal and forgive us, set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love 
and Jesus Christ. Amen. As far as this east is from the west, so far God removes our sins from us. God's mercy and reconciling love is ours. Friends, hear the good news of the gospel. Let us greet one another by passing of the peace of Christ. you can be seated. <laughs> Good, morning. Good morning. We are so grateful that you are with us this morning here at Church of the Palms on this great day of celebration. You'll have to pardon what sounds like a cold because it really is a cold and uh, and we uh, perhaps were celebrating a little too much last week when we were celebrating our daughter's wedding and uh, we were grateful for that but uh, this is the after effect of that, I'm afraid. So uh, greet me at your peril. I just want you to know that, okay? And I will be out underneath the tree today because today is a big day. It's our Love Life Celebrate Day when we have the chance to come together as the people of God to wonder about God's love for us and to wonder about how we return that love not only through the ministry of this church but even through our own lives. And we're inviting you to join us after the service to come out underneath the tree and uh, to enjoy lots of festivities. We have a, a brunch that we're serving in the campus center, so feel free to go in and get some food, come back out, 
under this beautiful oak tree and this beautiful day and enjoy some time around the tables and some fellowship. We got some cornhole throwing. We got all kinds of things happening out there. Photo booths, if you want to get your picture taken uh, and, uh, and other opportunities for you to enjoy this great day of celebration as we rejoice in what God has done for us and as we rejoice in what God wishes to do through us in uh, our life together as Church of the Palm. So we hope that you will join us. We will be receiving our pledges today and there are baskets here in the front of our sanctuary and up above. Uh, and we invite you at the end of the service to bring your commitments before the Lord and there are commitment cards available in your, in your pew racks. But we invite you to do that, not through the offering itself, but all at the end of the service uh, in our baskets. We are so grateful for our 10 o'clock worshiping community because when we try to do something like this, we try to pull the whole congregation together, we uh, often have to allow, uh, invite them to sacrifice their time as well as their sort of order of service to come and join with us in our worship here in the sanctuary because this is obviously our largest space and it also makes the campus center available for uh, these kinds of festivities. We'll have another space available soon. Uh, we'll get to that in a month or so, but we want to give thanks for uh, our 10 o'clock worshipers and our 10 o'clock worship team will be uh, leading us as well in our service today and we're just so grateful to be able to hear elements of their uh, their music and worship and we invite you to participate uh, fully in all the different versions of worship that we have here at Church of the Palms uh, today. We uh, have a great opportunity for you to learn about Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and through Jerusalem. Uh, Charlie Hausner is teaching on Wednesday evenings, and we had a great start to that this past Wednesday. You might want to come to the chapel at 6.30, and following that, there's a chance to meet new people in small groups, so come and join us for that. And then this coming Saturday, Rick Howell will be in the, uh, who is the director of the Samaritan Counseling Center here on Church of the Palms campus, will be teaching us about our relationships of God over in the campus center at 1030 and uh, Presbyterian Women is sponsoring that so we invite you to come and join us for that opportunity as well. And then next Sunday we have a wonderful concert that we are looking forward to and Genevieve Beauchamp our music director is going to share with us a little bit about that. <clears throat> We're one week away from our big project, Concert for Children at Risk. This idea came from a concert I went to this summer, the famous group U2, with its leader Bono. I never go to rock concerts, but I was very inspired by his presentation. Bono told us, what would you do if you had an audience of several thousands of people who came to hear your music? You try to make a difference. And so he did. His concert was centered around refugee children. He asked all of us to help. That stirred so much in me as a mom and as a citizen of a peaceful and wealthy country. So instead of doing a requiem this year, I thought that we also could make a small difference by producing a concert that would be twofold, present some beautiful music, and bring awareness to our own county's organizations who work tirelessly with children in need. I hate to tell you how many children are suffering in our area. Sometimes it feels good not to know these things, but we do have to be responsible. So let me not downplay the performance itself. For a couple of months, our ch chancel choir, along with community singers, as well as Sarasota Young Voices, have been working on this gem in the choral literature called a piece called Mass of the Children by John Rutter. They will be accompanied by uh, musicians from the Sarasota Orchestra, and we will feature two of our own singers, Trina and Brandon. 
and the music is simply heavenly. During the performance, which will include a couple of other pieces, we will take an offering for the children of our world through UNICEF, an organization that believes that no child is an enemy. After the concert, we will encourage you to make your way outside to meet the different organizations who take care of our children in need. Foster care, human trafficking, hunger, abuse, they will all be here. And we will have a stunning display of candles in the campus center where we'd like to encourage you to light a candle for a child in our community. Music is a powerful tool for change. Maybe this concert will transform one child's life because someone will decide to get involved somehow. I hope that you will consider coming to this presentation next Sunday at 4 p.m. in our sanctuary. No tickets are required, just your open heart. Thank you. Yeah, I heartily encourage you to join us as we uh, have, especially in this most recent time, been sensitized to how our children and our students are at risk. So come and join us for that. A beautiful piece of music as well. We are in this time of commitment, and I'd like to invite Bob Barson, uh, our elder for generosity, to share with us a little bit about uh, this very important time in our church's life. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Good morning. As Pastor Steve said, this is our time that we're talking about generosity. Uh, earlier this month, Pastor Steve kicked it off with a sermon on generosity. Al Gonas gave the biblical case for generosity. And then Pam Kelly talked about how this congregation's generosity has affected her and her family. I'd like to take a little bit different tack this morning and talk about a couple of my favorite biblical characters, the chicken and the pig. If you're not familiar with those characters, you can find them in the gospel according to Mingi. <laughs> chicken and pig were walking along one day and they saw some poor people. And the, uh, and the chicken said, well, look at those poor people. I wish we could do something for them. And the pig said, yeah, I agree. We, what, what, what can we do for them? And the chicken said, I know. Why don't we fix them a breakfast of bacon and eggs? And the pig said, well, that is going to be involving you, but I'm going to be totally committed. <laughs> That's a good description of our congregation. Many of you are totally committed to the financial support of this church, while some of you are involved in financially supporting the church. Those of you who are committed provide the foundation of our support, and I thank you for it. Not long ago, we received about 80% of our uh, donations from those who pledged. Today that number is down to about 70 percent. That difference is made up by those of you who are financially involved in supporting the Church of the Palms. That's the reason why we seem to be talking more and more about giving. We encourage those of you in the past who have been involved to consider a commitment to the financially supporting the Church of the Palms. You can do this in several ways. You may want to share your commitment in a commitment card that we'll be collecting at the end of the service. If you, for some reason, are not comfortable with a commitment card at this time, I would encourage you maybe to set up uh, a donation, through a regular donation through your bank, or if you would like, the Church of the Palms can debit your checking account on a regular basis. For those of you out there, and I know there are a few of you out there, there are 70 and a half, you can make a donation directly from your IRA. This will not be reported as income, and you will not be taxed on it, and it will count towards your required minimum distribution. 
In any case, becoming committed to the financial support of the church will help us better budget our money, our mission, and support our staff. If you're not currently involved in the Church of the Palms, I would encourage you to take a few steps to become involved, especially if you are a winter resident or a regular visitor. I would encourage you to talk to Carolyn Wilson about becoming an associate member. Support a youth through a, a, a youth sponsorship, or we will be soon asking for donations for our Day of Hope that we have coming up this summer where we prepare about 100 or so children for school. There are many ways that you can come alongside us and show your love for our neighbor. After this service and you go out in the courtyard and you have one of Kathy's uh, bacon and egg creations, I encourage you to think about how you are committing to support Church of the Palms. Thank you. children to come forward for the children's moment. I know some of you are up in the balcony, so you're going to have to run fast. And while they're getting here, I'd like to remind you all that the Easter egg hunt is coming up on March 24th. So we need eggs, we need candy. If you'd like to volunteer for that special day, it would be great to have you here. Good morning. Good morning. So I have a question for you guys. Does anybody own a pair of these? Yeah, you have flip-flops. What's the best part about flip-flops? What do you think? They protect your feet. They protect your feet? What else is good about them? You hear flip. You can hear them flip. That's a great one. Yeah, that's good. What else? That they feel good. That they feel good. You don't have to tie anything. They're like really easy to put on and take off. What's the worst thing about flip-flops? What do you think? You could get bit. You could get bit because they don't protect very well. What else is like really, really bad about them? They could break. They can break. Have you ever blown out a flip-flop? All right. Do you guys, anybody have to take off their shoes before they go into the house? Does anybody have to do that? Not so much. Wow. Well, let me tell you, if you had flip-flops on, your feet were probably pretty dirty, so to take them off before you go into the house, you're not really helping much. Because I don't think, you come have a seat here. Flip-flops don't really keep your feet that clean. They kind of get all dirty. Well, just imagine if you had shoes and socks, pretty much your feet would be protected, and so then it would make sense, right? I don't know if you know this. There were no shoes and socks in Jesus' day. They only had like flip-flops and sandals. You know what else they didn't have? Paved roads. If you had to go to your friend's house like a mile or two miles away, you know how you would get there? Walking, Walking is right. On dusty, dirty roads in flip-flops. Dirty, dirty feet. So if you came to my house and you came to see me, here's what I would do, standard, standard fare for the day. You'd come in, I'd give you a, cheek, a kiss on your cheek. <laughs> And then I would give you some oil for your face, and then I would call my servant to come wash your feet, because I, being the owner of the house, would never, ever wash your dirty, nasty, stinky, smelly feet. So this is going to fast forward us to our Bible story today. Jesus is having a meal with his disciples, and all of a sudden, Jesus does something crazy. He takes off his outer robe. He wraps a towel around his waist. 
and he starts to wash the feet of his disciples. And they're like, whoa, Jesus, you can't do that. You're the teacher. You're God. You're the Messiah. Only the nastiest, lowest servants of all wash our feet. And Jesus said, I just want to teach you something. This is how I want you to treat other people. In humility and in love, I want you to serve others. And you know how we wash feet? We do kind acts for other people, people that can't repay us, people that maybe don't even know us. And when we go out today, we get to think about some random acts of kindness, and that's how we wash feet. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for loving us so much that you show us how to treat each other. Lord, show us whose feet to wash and then help us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Ever since John the Baptist stood in the waters of the Jordan River and invited all of Judea to come forward into the waters of the Jordan River to be baptized, even Jesus himself being invited to be baptized as he began his ministry. So it is that the people of God have been invited into the waters of baptism. For it is in baptism that we find the mark of our identity. It is in baptism, the waters of baptism, when we are reminded that we are truly children of God. As God pours the waters of his grace upon our lives, so it is that we are the recipients of God's mercy and love for our lives as we seek to claim ourselves as unique in the creation of God. For we know that the creation of God is filled with both goodness and evil. We know that the creation of God is one in which we can experience harsh realities. But it is the people of God, the children of God, who look into the waters of baptism and see our true identity as the children and followers of Jesus Christ. And so, as is, is the fact that when the sun reflects upon the water, so it increases in its intensity, so it is that the Son of God, when we see him in the waters of baptism, his intense love and mercy reflects upon us and through us for the world. So it is right, especially in a day such as today, when we make our commitments before the Lord and celebrate our love and our life together, that we take the time to renew our baptismal covenant and to reclaim our identity and to know that in Jesus Christ we truly are the light of the world reflected in God's grace so that the world may come to know that there is another way, a different way that the world has seemed to understand. So we invite you to turn to your bulletin and join with us together as we reaffirm our baptismal covenant. And I invite you to join in the bold typed uh, sentences. Sisters and brothers in Christ, our baptism is the sign and seal of our cleansing from sin and our being grafted into Christ. Through the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Christ, the power of sin was broken and God's kingdom entered our world. And through our baptism, we may, were made citizens of God's kingdom and freed from the bondage of sin. 
Let us then celebrate that freedom and redemption through the renewal of the promises made at our baptism. I ask you, therefore, once again to reject sin, to profess your faith in Christ Jesus, and to confess the faith of the church, the faith in which we were baptized. Do you renounce all evil and powers in the world which defy God's righteousness and love? Do you renounce the ways of sin that separate you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior? Will you be Christ's faithful disciple, obeying his word and showing his love to your life's end? And now I invite you to stand. With the whole church, let us confess our faith. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I The Lord be with you. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. We give you thanks, eternal God, for you nourish and sustain all living things by the gift of water. In the beginning of time, your spirit moved over the watery chaos, calling forth order and life. You led Israel out of slavery through the waters of the sea into the freedom of the promised land. We thank you, O God, for the waters of baptism. In it we were buried with Christ in his death. From it we were raised to share in his resurrection. Through it we were reborn by the power of your Holy Spirit. Peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You may be seated. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
pray. Thank you, O oh God, for always making the first move towards us, for loving us and calling us forward to love and serve with generous hearts. Accept this offering as a sign of our dedication and commitment to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
An old hymn sung in a new way. That's a good thing. That's what the church has always been about, right? Singing the same old story, but in a new way. The good old story in a new way. So as Bob mentioned earlier, after the sermon, we are gonna be receiving our commitments in the baskets that are in front of you and a couple of up on the balcony. And we invite you to come and bring forward your financial pledges uh, to the ministry here at Church of the Palms. And if you worship with us just for a few weeks, we invite you to join with us, if only to pray for us, but also if you wish to contribute to our ongoing ministry, we would be very grateful. This is the chance for the whole body of Christ to respond to God's generosity and love for us. But after the worship service, as we indicated, you'll be invited to come out underneath the tree. I'll be heading that way after the service. And again, I invite you to greet me at your peril. But uh, we will be underneath the tree doing all kinds of wonderful things, including when you sit at the tables after you're, as, you're enjoying your, as you're enjoying your brunch, you'll be seeing these hearts. And these hearts have little uh, stickers that talk about Church of the Palms and give some information about them. But we're going to invite you, and you'll see instructions on the table, uh, to use these hearts. Uh, perhaps to write a note of encouragement to somebody that you know and to send it to them to let them know that you're thinking and praying for them or to maybe make a list of the things that, that you would like to have in your mind, maybe random acts of kindness that you want to perform over the course of the week or the next month, again, so that you can individually be a reflection of the baptism of Christ or perhaps even just to write a generic note, stick it on a windshield somewhere and let somebody know that, you, uh, that they are loved and that God's love is for them. And then there's another table, you'll get to see some beautiful colored rocks. And this is a part of the Kindness Rocks Project where we invite you to take a rock or maybe paint one yourself and uh, use it to uh, perhaps just be mindful of our calling to be reflections of the light of Christ, but also perhaps to leave the rock somewhere so that somebody sees not just ordinary rocks, but they see this beautiful colored rock, and they are invited to look on the back, and they'll see some information about the church, a hashtag, love neighbor, which you can, they can take and post onto our Facebook page, and as we can begin to see the way by which the love of God is being spread throughout our community. So lots of great opportunities for you to come and be a part of our life and to find ways by which you can reflect the love of Christ uh, in and through your own life in the world. So to that end, we're going to read the story that uh, Lori shared with us a little bit about in our children's moment. It comes, from us, comes to us from John chapter 13, beginning at the first verse. So hear the word of God. <clears throat> now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. And he came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, you do not know what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. 
And Jesus said to him, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. And after he had washed their feet, he had put on his robe and returned to the table. He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, and that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash others' feet. For I have set for you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May we in these moments, O Lord, come to know even more what the wonderful cross is all about. What it means for us to love as you have first loved us. Bless us in Christ's name. Amen. So I date myself when I tell you that as a 15-year-old, I was often found in my bedroom playing my record player as loud as my father would allow me, and the LPs I would place on the turntable were what would be considered today vintage rock. Jethro Tull, Deep Purple, Pink Floyd, the Doobie Brothers, the Rolling Stones. And one such LP into which I wore grooves was an album released by The Who entitled Quadrophenia, a two-album set that chronicled the life of a teenager trying to discover himself. And there was a song on the album that even today rings in my head because it kept asking the same question. Can you see the real me? Can you see the real me? Now, as I listened along and sang along and played along with my air guitar, I wasn't sure of all of what that question really meant. Can you see the real me? I I thought the real me was pretty plain to see. What you see is what you get. It wasn't until later in life that I learned that finding the real me is not as easy as looking in the mirror. Life has its way of confusing us as to who we really are. Messages get sent, expectations get piled upon us, roles get played that we don't necessarily want to play, and we get along the way perhaps misidentified, or worse, the real me gets buried or completely vanishes. We become what we think we should become, and maybe not who we really are. And it can leave us with a question. What does it mean to be the real me? Fast forward about 30 years to about 15 years ago, and I remember hearing a song written and performed by a band called Evanescence, sort of a grunge heavy metal band that made it to the top of the charts with a song called Wake Me Up Inside. And that was the continual refrain, wake me up inside. Wake me up inside. Another way, I suppose, of asking that earlier question and of expressing that same yearning. Different generation, same longing. Wake me up inside. Wake me up to myself. Help me find the real me. Help me come alive to who I really am. 
So the more things change, the more things stay the same, right? It's one of the great searches of human existence that no matter what the music is or the technology or the generation, it remains that great individual and human search to find out who we really are, to discover our true life, our true calling, to become real again. In Marjorie Williams' classic children's story, The Velveteen Rabbit, she tells the tale of a nursery toy, a velveteen rabbit who becomes the beloved toy of a little boy. And early in the story, the velveteen rabbit has a conversation with another toy in the nursery, the skin horse. And the skin horse is one of these old stuffed animals that's been passed down from generation to generation, so old that his brown coat was bald in patches and showed the seams underneath and most of the hairs in his tail had been pulled out. Williams relays the conversation between the velveteen rabbit and the skin horse this way. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were lying side by side near the nursery fender before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having things that buzz inside you and a stick out handle? Oh, real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you when a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Does it hurt, asked the rabbit. Oh, sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, though, you don't mind being hurt. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up or bit by bit? Oh, it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It, it takes a long time. That's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or who have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off and your eyes drop out and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. I suppose you're real, asked the rabbit, and then he wished he hadn't, for he thought the skin horse might be sensitive, but the skin horse only smiled. Oh, the boy's uncle made me real, he said. That was a great many years ago, but once you're real, you can't become unreal again. It lasts for always. Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. So it made me wonder when Jesus is together with his disciples in their last night together before Jesus mounts the cross, when John tells us that he loved his own and loved them to the end and that the Father had put all things into the hands of Jesus, I wonder about what Jesus is doing when he takes that towel and basin and that pitcher of water and he kneels down and one by one he bathes the feet of the disciples, washes their feet. Baptism, but on the other end. Baptism on that part of your body you'd least want God to touch. He baptizes these men in their most filthy and vulnerable place, their stinky, dusty heels and toes. What in heaven's name, these men ask, is this rabbi doing? What in heaven's name is Jesus the Messiah stooping to do? What is really going on here when Jesus holds in his hands these calloused, grungy ankles and arches? Well, maybe he's showing them 
how much they're loved. Because this is real. This isn't a Hallmark card. This isn't a dozen roses. This is real. This is, this is Jesus' love language, stooping down to their toes, holding in their, his hands their cracked, dusty feet and bathing them. This is real, and real is something that happens to you. And what is happening to these men is something that they're not going to understand for a while, but what is happening to these men is that they are being loved and served and bathed by God. They're being touched by the Son of God. They are being baptized in the dustiest, dirtiest parts of their lives by the Son of God. Here, Jesus says, with this water, I make you real. Because you see, that's what love does. Love makes us real. The touch of love makes us real. Ask any child psychologist, and she will tell you that when a child is born, that's only the first part of becoming real. The other part of becoming real is the touch of love. When mom holds the baby to her breast, when dad holds the baby in his arms, when mom and dad smile into the baby's eyes and speak into the baby's ears, oh, that's the beginning of becoming really real. Frederick II, the 13th century Holy Roman Emperor, was curious to learn what was the language of heaven, so he ordered his court scientists to arrange for a group of newborns to be sequestered in a nursery and be given only food and water to drink, but that the nurses were to speak nothing to the children. He figured that if they heard no words, that whatever words they spoke had to be the language of heaven. So that's exactly what they did. They put them in the nursery, didn't speak to them a word. The experiment failed because without words, they died. We become real when we're loved. In their groundbreaking book, A General Theory of Love, psychiatrists Thomas Lewis, Fariamini, and Richard Landon unpack what happens to the limbic system of the brain when children are surrounded or deprived of the intimate voice and touch of other human beings, and that love in and of itself is the very thing that allows us to reach our fullest potential and our greatest security, and that without love, we become our own worst enemies. So when Jesus is handed all things, is it any wonder that he turns to his closest companions and instead of commanding orders and instead of giving directions, the rabbi takes this, this bowl and pitcher, kneels at their feet, the feet of those who are going to deny him and betray him and doubt him and otherwise abandon him, and he touches them with the water of, of his basin and he wipes them with the, the dirt of their souls away and he says, you now are in me, and I am in you. And to have a part of the Son of God is to finally become real. That's what love does, it makes us real. Anwar Sadat, the former Egyptian terrorist and enemy of Israel, somewhere along the way had a change of heart and later when he became president of Egypt, turned peacemaker and realized that the purpose of his days was not to take life but to give life and he became the great partner of peace with the Menachem Begum of Israel and it was Anwar Sadat who said once, when a man's heart is animated by love, 
He is naturally impelled to accomplish his vocation. Without love, a man will grow old indeed and yet feel he hasn't lived at all. He would feel he had missed a very important thing that however great his achievement, he has achieved nothing. Love wakes us up inside. It makes us real again. God's love is unchanging, said once the recently departed Billy Graham. God's love is unchanging, and God knows exactly what we are and loves us anyway. God knows us exactly as we are and loves us anyway. Do you know what happens to a person when they finally understand this? That despite the message they may have once received or not received, despite the false expectations, despite the wounds that have been inflicted, despite the poor identity which may have been shaped, the master bends to our feet and says, I baptize you with my grace. I love you. I animate you with my spirit. I bring you to life. And I make you into the real you. And when we become real, when we let the God of creation love us bald and squeeze our seams until they're loose and wash us in those all unlovely places, then we start to fill. We become real and we begin to fill. You fill with the love and you overflow with the love. And all of a sudden, you're helping others become real too. You're touching their dusty feet. And you're touching our brothers and sisters, helping them to become real too because that's when you know you're real when you are helping others become real as well. Remember the story of St. Francis riding his horse on the Umbrian Plain and all of a sudden he comes upon a leper? And a leper back then was a nobody, oh no, more than a nobody, worse than a nobody, a monster of disease, someone to avoid, worse than the flu <laughs> or the cold. A monster of disease. And Francis gallops away instinctively. And then God says to Francis, the leper is your brother. And so he turns around and goes back. And more than washes feet, he kisses him. And the nobody, the monster becomes real. It's what Jesus was doing all the time, helping people to become real. Tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, scorned women, possessed men. He touched them and they became real. So we who have reaffirmed our baptism and have become real by the love of the rabbi turn our hearts and our heads to a world weary with hate and guns and violence and school shootings and poverty and loneliness and despair. And we see what the Lord has given us. He has given us to each other as the church of Christ, made alive by the touch of the Spirit and animated into the vocation of mission and service and foot washing. So in a moment, we get to make these commitments to our Lord, the work of the church. We get to, don't have to, no, we don't have to. We get to become fully alive by being loved and by making our commitments. And then we go out into that courtyard and we enjoy the life of the Spirit together and we find those opportunities we have to wonder about how, what one thing can I do today that will baptize a living soul with the love of Christ? What one thing can I do today? Not just today, but tomorrow and the next day. What one thing can I do today that will baptize another living soul with the love of Christ? A drink of water, a cup of coffee, giving up your place in line, a note of thanks, a new suit of clothes, a, a word of blessing, a bag of groceries, an hour of tutoring, a gift card to Walmart, you name it. But what one thing every day can I do today 
that will baptize another living soul with the love of Christ and in turn discover again how real we really are and in turn have the joy of helping somebody else become real too. Let us pray. Lord, you are the loving God who loves us as far as to wash our feet and to bring ourselves before your cross and to see you mount that cross and to know that you are sacrificing your life for us. So Lord, we pray that as we come to this time of commitment, as we bring our commitments before you today, that we may know that you are the one who loved first. You are the one who makes us real. You are the one who wants to use us for great and wondrous things that others might become real too. Whether it's people in our family, that they might become real. Or whether it's our friends, that they might become real. Or whether it's, whether it's our neighbor or strangers, that they might become real too. And that we, through what we do together, may rejoice and give glory to what you can do through us. All for the sake of your son, Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Let us bring our commitments before the Lord. Yeah. 
What can I sing as an offering, Lord? Oh, what can I give? What can I bring? What can I sing as an offering, Lord? What can we bring, O oh Lord, that would even faintly match what you have first done for us? We thank you, O oh Lord, that you have filled this place with your Holy Spirit, that you have filled our lives with your love, and that you are every day trying to make us more real, real by your grace and your love and your mercy. We pray that you will put into our hearts and our minds those people that we can reach out to with your love and grace to wash their feet again to love, to unconditionally accept, and to remind them that there is a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. We thank you for these commitments, O oh Lord, and pray that they become just the beginning of our reflection, of our baptism into your world, that the world may see that you are the light of the world. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.